Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Well, right now, let's put those questions to the Security Minister, James Brokenshire, who joins us. Good morning to you. Good morning, good, Julia. Good morning. Uh, the Court of Appeal decision yesterday regarding Shamima Begum uh, basically uh, undermines the entire point of the Home Secretary having the right to strip her citizen of their citizenship. That decision was made by the former Home Secretary, Sajid Javid, yep. uh, last year, um, saying you can't come back to the country. The the, the, uh, uh, the appeal court basically said, oh, well, you can come back to this country to fight the right not to come back to this country, be allowed to come back to this country. Doesn't that make a mockery of the Home Secretary's role? Well, Julia, we're obviously very disappointed with the outcome of this uh, judgment. I should stress that the Home Secretary has already indicated that we do intend to appeal this judgment. Deprivation is an important part, one of the important tools that we have in terms of guarding our national security. Uh, We are going to appeal, as I've said, uh, and therefore uh, continue to challenge the outcome uh, of this particular judgment uh, and seek a stay on its effect until uh, until an appeal has been heard. Um, if she, if you, you know, you lost that appeal, and if she did eventually have undoubtedly the right to come back to this country, would there be a requirement on the government to aid her return or could she just be left languishing in a camp in Syria? Not our problem unless she can find her own way back. Well, I'll hope you'll understand, Julia, that with uh, ongoing uh, litigation and ongoing legal case, I'm not going to be drawn into some of the speculation as to what might or might happen next. Obviously, we are going to appeal. Uh, We've sought permission to do so. And therefore, nothing, there's no obligation on the government to act at this point, pending the determination of that, that next hearing. And obviously, we, uh, we believe that there are good grounds to appeal this judgment and to stay any of its effect until such time as that substantive further appeal, if we're given permission, actually does take place. But uh, we take, obviously, the national security of this country incredibly seriously. It's a primary obligation of government, uh, why we will continue to take 
all appropriate action to ensure that that is protected. What would the options be if she does return and gets her citizenship for actually making sure that she was no longer a risk to people in this country? Because she's not a schoolgirl. She is a she is a terrorist. She went off her own free will to join a terrorist organisation, expressed no remorse whatsoever when she was found uh, when she was at 19 years old, already a grown woman, um, and having married a jihadist herself. Um, what, what can we actually do if she does return to keep us safe from someone who would undoubtedly be a threat to us. Well, again, because of the ongoing illegal case, it's it's very okay, difficult. Okay. Well, no, don't to, talk about the specifics then. What what but could in, you general, do? Yeah. If I can, if I can, you know, I, obviously we have a number of measures that uh, are available to us in terms of dealing with terrorism and dealing with those who may uh, do us harm, and uh, we put in place different orders, sanctioned measures that uh, can operate. To uh, to protect against those sorts of people, uh, but uh, but again, you know, it's about our, our terrorist prevention investigation measures. Obviously, prosecution in some cases against uh, whether evidence lies in terms of the actions of an individual. But again, I can't be drawn on this particular case because of the ongoing legal issues. Okay and the continuing challenge that we will make to this this appeal judgment. OK, let's uh, talk about another of the big stories that emerged yesterday, and this is the uh, evidence uh, that uh, from the National Cyber Security Centre that the Kremlin is behind an yeah. ongoing attack to uh, hack uh, into our vaccine research for a coronavirus vaccine, hacking of a, a UK, American and Canadian research. Um, how concerned are you that this hacking is continuing right now? Well, what I can say on that, uh, Julia, is uh, that um, that in essence we have our National Cyber Security Centre who have uh, put in place uh, a number of different steps. They have highlighted through this advisory, and it's important to note uh, on this particular case that uh, we're working with the Americans and the Canadians who equally have supported this assessment that Russian intelligence agencies were behind this attack may come under these different names of the Dukes, Cozy Bear, all of these publicly attributed names. But we have attributed this to uh, Russian intelligence uh, agencies. And in essence, what they've sought to do is to get into different networks of pharmaceutical, uh, other companies linked to the COVID-19 response. Completely unacceptable. Absolutely you know, appalling that the Russian state should be involved uh, in this way. And therefore, we've called it out. We've set this advisory from our experts, the National Cyber Security Center, in terms of setting out the steps that those who uh, may be affected can take, uh, and therefore being vigilant against this threat and this risk and why collectively we have taken this uh, okay. this step in the way that I, we have. I mean, it's one thing, isn't it? The Russians just trying to take the credit for coming up with a vaccine and getting it to the Russian people first. It's quite another if they had actually, in, in accessing these uh, these cyber data, that they'd been able to sabotage it, perhaps setting back our chances of finding a safe vaccine. That's much more serious, isn't it? Well, so many different organizations in this country, world leading, are taking you know, these huge steps to see that we are as protected as we can be, to look for this solution with the vaccine, all of the incredible work that continues to go ahead, work that takes place uh, around the world uh, around all of that. Uh, and yet to discover that, uh, in essence, Russian intelligence agencies have been sort of seeking to get into uh, the networks of those organizations uh, doing this work is completely unacceptable. Now, the position that the National Cyber Security Center have assessed is that 
that this is about them then looking at what is there. In other words, to try and extract intellectual property rather than any damage, any uh, sort of harm being called in, caused in that directive way. But nonetheless, completely unacceptable where everyone is seeking to work so many different ways around the world to discover that this has been taking place. It's why the advisories are there on uh, system protections, on two-factor authentication, on different policies that these organizations can take, but also, I think, underlining the way in which our own cyber defenses have been out there working with others to identify, to detect, and in this case, to attribute and call this out for the completely unacceptable behaviour that it is. Okay. well, we know that the vaccine is our route out of this pandemic and the lockdown. The Prime Minister later today is going to tell the nation to get back to their workplaces, to the death of the city centre as people all working from home. Uh, We're seeing uh, restaurants, bars, shops uh, losing huge amounts of business uh, and the city centres across the country pretty much dead uh, Monday to, well, Monday to Sunday. Um, The Prime Minister, though, is going to be speaking against what was the advice uh, by Sir Patrick Vallance. He's the Chief Scientific Advisor one of the two leading advisors to the government on the uh, the the health side of the coronavirus. Um, Sir Patrick Vallance yesterday told MPs it was there was absolutely no reason to drop the official advice to people to work from home, and uh, he called for social distancing to remain. And he also said that we should have locked down a week earlier. Is it the case now that the government is no longer following the science? Uh, actually, uh, no. Um, we continue to be informed by the expert evidence that we receive, the assessments that we receive from the chief scientific officer, the chief medical officer, and I pay tribute to them for all of their work and the work of our SAGE expert group that also supports the government as well. You know, Obviously, uh, I'm not going to um, uh, say in advance what the prime minister is going to say in setting out this next chapter of the roadmap. Obviously, We're looking to invest in our NHS, three billion pounds to prepare for the winter. But no, we will continue to be uh, informed by the scientific and other advice that we receive. And in terms of uh, people going back to offices, we've said that uh, in our guidance that it is for employers to determine uh, whether people can continue to work from home, to discuss that with their employees, and very firmly ensure that that workspace, that office environment is COVID secure, is about ensuring that social distancing, other appropriate measures can be taken. To see that people can return to work, but ultimately it will be for employers to make those decisions, assessing what is appropriate for their businesses. In summary, are, are you basically saying, look, we're still following the scientific and medical advice, but while scientists and medics are concerned with only one thing, which is the the, the, the loss of life from coronavirus, the government has to weigh up different aspects of not just the loss of life from coronavirus, loss of life from, for instance, the NHS being shut down, people were expecting to lose more people uh, to cancer deaths over the years in, uh, to come as a result of the, the way we've handled the pandemic, but also the loss of livelihoods and the long-term effects that that has. So the government is taking a whole raft of advice and is trying to weigh up the overall good Whereas the likes of Sir Patrick Vallance uh, is only having to worry about one aspect of the pandemic. Is that the answer? Because a lot of people are going to be listening to this saying, if if people like Vallance and Witty, Chris Witty, don't think that we should be out and about, they're not going to follow the government's advice. Well, I, I think that the chief scientific officer himself has said that there are balanced decisions that ministers, the government has to take in weighing 
uh, different parts of evidence together. Ultimately, advisors advise and ministers decide. That's always uh, been the case. But we will continue to absolutely reflect on the, the expert advice that we have been receiving. And I think you'll see when the Prime Minister does make his statement a little later today, how we absolutely want to support businesses in the all of the steps that we've taken to protect jobs, the, the steps that the, the Chancellor has taken with his his uh, statement on the 30 billion pounds to invest in jobs, actually getting reskilling, all of the steps there. But it, it is absolutely about uh, employers, businesses, assessing, deciding what is right for them, but equally creating the climate, creating the environment where people can get back to work, absolutely informed by the science and the medical advice that we do receive, as well as the other expert inputs as well. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Online, on DAV, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Well, let's talk about all this with my first guest of this hour right now, Tobias Elwood. Uh, he's chair of the Defence Select Committee and Conservative MP as well. Good morning to you, Tobias. Good morning. Um, let's start with Shamima Begum. I mean, there's lots to talk about under your brief. A very busy few days uh, for, for your committee in terms of the stories you'll be uh, focusing on. Uh, but Shamima Begum, uh, she often referred to as a you know, former East London schoolgirl, uh, ISIS bride. Reality is yeah. she's a terrorist. She's a woman, uh, 20 years old, who went off to uh, uh, to Syria to join a terrorist organisation. She now wants to return to this country. Uh, citizenship was uh, taken from her by the former Home Secretary, uh, Sajid Javid. She's now one appeal, uh, Court of Appeal judgment, saying that actually she does have the right to return to this country to fight her appeal against the uh, government's decision to take her citizenship away. Do you think that the Court of Appeal decision was the correct one? Well, I'm going to be in a minority, I fear, uh, because I think our policy here is short-sighted, it's siloed, and it fails to appreciate the longer-term security risks that this decision will cause. It's also out of character. You know, the UK aspires to be a leader and an exemplar on the international stage. But this shows that we don't understand 
the bigger picture and the consequences of hoping that radicalized individuals that are left, as you say, to languish, languish in, in prison camps afar, won't they one, one, one day actually attack us. Let's not forget where this person is. Wait a minute. So you're, you, are you saying that the, the decision to strip her from her citizenship and not to bring her back here, that that itself was the wrong decision? I think we should be looking after those people who are dangerous because they can't be looked after properly where they are right now. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. We put uh, put forward the RAF to join an international coalition to defeat Daesh. And once the, the caliphate had fallen, we've then given up and walked away. There are tens of thousands of hardline fighters and families behind rickety barbed wire camps run by militias who are now being attacked by a NATO partner and they cannot cope. These people are escaping daily and they are regrouping. And we're just saying, no, you can't. We're having no responsibility, no interest. And I think that's absolutely wrong. And I say this, and maybe I'm personally uh, affected by this. My brother was killed by a terrorist, as you're aware. Not here in Britain, far away on the other side of the world in Bali. And that means that the threat that we face, it doesn't end at Dover. And this idea that somehow that we can wash our hands and even make people stateless is simply wrong. This person was radicalized here in the UK. So we need to recognize the wider picture here that we, if we are going to defeat terrorism, if we are going to step up and you know, defend our values and our rights and support Iraq and indeed Syria as well, we need to complete the job. Because these people are regrouping. Okay, as we speak. I look. I absolutely agree. These people. I mean, I don't want them just left to their own devices to wander, wander the Middle East, or That's come back happening. to. You. No, absolutely. And I completely accept that. And again, I, I had issues with her citizenship being taken away. She's British. She's our responsibility. Tough. We're stuck yep. with her. However, I'm quite happy for her to come back to this country to spend the rest of her life behind bars. Not a chance of coming back. But because of our mad courts, because of the mad human rights legislation, the failures of various governments since we've uh, had this jihadist threat, we we know that she wouldn't go behind bars, even if she did get tried for anything so she'll be out in a sh- couple of years so we can't then, risk her coming back no well th- that's the, the dilemma then is that uh, is there more risk with people t- not just her let's move away just from her yeah. but from all those um is there more of a risk of her coming uh to be radicalized taken advantage of and causing more danger to us uh being less she's not being taken being advantage of she's a grown woman we've got to stop treating her no. like she's still a 15 year old schoolgirl. she's a you're jihadist. missing the point you're missing the point as to how Islamic extremism operates. They indoctrinate these people and they, with promises, a false promise of an understanding of Islam that they will go to paradise if they do these things. So it's nothing to do with about being a woman or being a, a youngster. Nothing at all. It's about understanding Islam. OK, so let's make that absolutely clear. What we are saying, and I quite rightly agree with you, is if our laws in the UK are not good enough, if our processes aren't strong enough, and don't forget that we just had a uh, legislation go through to make sure these people stay in prison longer. That is a separate matter from the wider challenge of defeating okay. extremism, which right. we're not doing a good job on. OK, well, it also doesn't appear to be doing a good job in tackling uh, the cyber attacks we keep getting from uh, Russia. The, uh, the government, yes, well, yes, sorry, the government, National Cyber Security Centre uh, revealed they believe the Kremlin is behind an ongoing attack, uh, hacking uh, our uh, research into a vaccine that happened here in the UK, in the United States and in Canada. This comes, of course, on top of a report from the government uh, into 
the Russian uh, sort of hel- attempts to cyber influence the 2019 election uh, with that uh, document released to Jeremy. Well, Jeremy Corbyn was uh, able to get hold of uh, about a UK US trade talks ahead of also the Intelligence and Security Committee next week, releasing their Russia report into possible Russian invest involvement in our 2017 election. Um, it, it, the Russian hacking stories just keep on coming. Um, but um, how concerned are you that we are not doing enough to protect ourselves from the hacking? And, and what more can we do? Well, two quick observations here. First of all, this is a vivid illustration of the changing character of conflict away from traditional battle lines that we can think of towards directly targeting society, specifically our ever greater dependence on the digital world. Don't forget, it's far cheaper, uh, simpler. It's uh, largely deniable and cost effective to do a cyber attack with a huge economic harm than it is to do any sort of military uh, engagement. And the second observation here, of course, the world is suffering from COVID-19. Whoever gets that vaccine first, what a game changer. If you can steal the data, do that instead. And Russia has form on this. You know, going back to its invasion of Georgia, it's actually, uh, it's such an expert in cyber attacks and misinformation and so forth, the Montenegro coup. And so it's developed specialisms here that state sponsored to be able to do this sort of thing. And China is not far off there as well. I was actually expecting a cyber attack emanating from China uh, because of our decision on 5G rather than Russia. But I'm pleased that our international community has rode in behind us and recognised us because we must stand together. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Let's now talk to Richard Walton. He's a senior fellow at Policy Exchange and a former head of Counterterrorism Command uh, in the Metropolitan Police uh, related uh, to, let's talk about Shamima Begum with him. Good morning to you, Richard. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. Um, it's, um, I mean, going back to the, the, this topic of Shamima Begum, um, there's a lot of anger. I mean, virtually every single poll that's ever been done on this, says, you know, the vast majority of the British people do not want Shamima Begum back in this country. They were perfectly happy with her being stripped of her citizenship uh, by the uh, home, former Home Secretary, uh, Sajid Javid. Now, um, I differ on that front. I've always thought that she was our problem, and 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 she. You, if you lean to nationally legal, you can't make someone stateless. Stateless, then afraid she is British. But just because she's our problem doesn't mean we should necessarily have her back here, and certainly not ever walking the streets freely here. Do you think that the Court of Appeal made the right decision? Uh, well, I respect the judiciary enormously uh, and their independence, but I think that on this occasion the Court of Appeal has made a profound mistake, which I think will have serious ramifications for our security and, and actually set a quite a dangerous precedent. So I hope that um, the Supreme Court will overrule and overturn this decision. We know um, the government or... is going to appeal. What do you think their profound yeah. mistake was? Because, I mean, there's a difference between disagreeing with a court a decision uh, in terms of whether you, you, you like it or not, but you're saying that you think that, in, in legally speaking, they made the wrong decision. Yes, I do. I do, I do think legally they made the wrong decision. I think that uh, the Court of Appeal um, effectively taken over the Home Secretary's responsibility for deciding who should be allowed to enter the UK. And, you know, judging for itself the importance of national security against what is effectively a procedural issue, and namely whether she has to be present at court for an appeal. Um, and, you know, I think they've discounted the security risk that she poses. Um, and I think that this decision basically undercuts the whole point of the power to deprive people, whether you think that's a, a, a good power or not, of their citizenship, um, which Parliament has enacted. 
And that's the thing. If the Home Secretary does have the power to strip someone of citizenship and, and, and therefore take away their right to return to the UK, for the court to say you have the right to return to the UK to fight that um, completely undermines it. And Sajid Javid actually put out a statement on Twitter yesterday pointing out that, you know, once she does return, if she does return, we'd have no way of getting rid of her because, of course, human rights legislation would say that she can't be, there's nowhere for her to go, no one else is going to want her and we can't return her to, to a, you know, a war a war like hellhole despite the fact that that's what she chose to do only five years ago and was perfectly happy there until she was caught uh, by uh, the uh, opposition forces yeah and i'm afraid i wonder if this is a decision that's been influenced by gender and age Um, some see begum as a young vulnerable girl you know failing to recognize that increasingly sadly uh, women and girls are getting involved in terrorism in fact only two weeks ago you'll recall that um, Safiya uh, Sheikh of West London was convicted of plotting a terrorist attack against St Paul's Cathedral and given a life yeah, sentence. Exactly, I do. I do think that the, again is the fact that she's often referred to as you know as a former East London schoolgirl. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a former North London schoolgirl, but you know, it doesn't. Mean, I mean, I'm, I'm a grown woman. She she is a 20 year old woman. She 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 you know she wasn't a jihadi bride. She joined a jihadist organisation. The idea that she didn't know what she was letting herself in for. She was a straight A student. She would have seen the news. We knew when she went into a 15, we knew what was happening in Syria. We knew what ISIS were doing. They were putting out beheading videos. And she, when she was found in February 2019 uh, by a British journalist, Erich Lloyd Parry, she, she expressed no remorse whatsoever. She said how, you know, she'd seen things like a severed head in a bin after someone had been executed and it hadn't phased her at all. I mean, this is not the person, this is not some innocent young ingenue, is it? No, it's not. I mean, look, in, in, in an ideal world, she'd be prosecuted and convicted where she is. Um, but we know that's not possible. Um, and there's no, there's no ideal situation here. And obviously, it's not ideal to, to uh, take away her citizenship. But also, the citizens of this country deserve to be protected um, from a threat. And that's, and that's where the court here. doesn't appear to have taken that into account, does it? They're, they're looking at her human rights as opposed to your and mine, everyone else's human right to, to, to wake up in the morning and expect to still be alive and not be, not be blown to smithereens by the end of the day. I consider that to be quite an important human right as well. Yeah, well, it's putting the individual right over the collective, if you like. And, and again, I don't support that. I think this is an error of judgment. Um, I think it'd be overturned. I hope it'll be overturned. Otherwise, you know, it is a precedent and we're going to see a lot more cases like it. I mean, there are about 300 uh, people who, who are in the same sort of situation, aren't there? We, I mean, why, don't we just, why don't we just charter a private jet for them all and just bring them all back and just put them up in the, in the Ritz at this rate? Well, it's, none of this is ideal um, and it, none of us would want this situation. Um, I mean, like you said, she, she doesn't seem to appear to show any remorse. We have to trust also the, um, the, the if you like, the decision of, the, of Sajid Javid when he made the decisions and what was placed in front of him in terms of the intelligence picture yeah. and the intelligence agency. There's a wealth of difference between um, that picture and also what could be proven in a court of law with evidence. It's, it's yes. very hard to gather evidence in war zones. We have uh, the, the, the chance of her being uh, prosecuted for anything is virtually zero. And even if she were prosecuted, we're looking at a, a, a sentence of something like four years, serving only two, and then she's out on the streets. And we're told, oh, she could be under a equivalent of a control order. Um, but <laughs> well, we've seen only in the last year, haven't we, a number of uh, terror attacks from people who are supposedly uh, being uh, under the surveillance of the uh, uh, counter-terrorism police. So we know exactly how risky that is. Online on DAB and on the Talk Radio app.
Talk Radio. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my Talk Radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.